my dad was like, whatever you do, like, don't get into credit card debt. And I was like, well, I don't have a choice. So I opened three credit cards, went and maxed them all out. Um, but we opened in July of 2018 and we were profitable from day one. So once we opened, there was never a scary moment. We're like, oh, shoot, we need more money. Welcome to Franchise Empires, where aspiring entrepreneurs learn exactly what it takes to become a successful franchise owner from one location to 10 and beyond. I'm the Wolf of Franchises. Hey everyone, Wolf here. Today on the show, we have Brianna Keith, the founder and CEO of Toastique. Brianna graduated college in 2016, and after working 80-hour weeks in her job, decided to quit and go all in on her restaurant idea. It was her first time operating a restaurant, but the concept was a hit, and two years later, she decided to franchise it. Today, Toastique has five corporate stores, four franchise stores, and another 60 plus in development. We dive into her whole journey up to this point. I think you'll enjoy it. The Wolf of Franchises is the CEO of Wolfpack Franchising, as well as a creator at Workweek Media. All opinions expressed by the Wolf and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of Wolfpack Franchising or Workweek. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. The Wolf, Workweek, and Wolfpack franchising may maintain positions in the franchises discussed on this podcast. Thanks for coming on, Brianna. I think a good place to start would be, you know, you've only recently graduated college within, you know, last five, six years, and you're already a franchise founder of a growing national brand. So what did you study in college as like a starting point? And did anything there kind of inspire you to go on to found your franchise? Yeah, so it's actually an interesting story. Um, <laughs> I went to James Madison University with originally going in as a health science major. And I wanted at first it was going to be a dietitian. I wanted to study nutrition. That's something that I was always passionate about. And so I spent the first year and a half taking my gen eds and anatomy, chemistry, biology, and I loved it all besides chemistry, for whatever reason, just did not click with me. I loved all the other classes. And my guidance counselor was like, well, you do know this major has the most chemistry classes out of any of them at the university. So I suggest keeping uh, nutrition a hobby and doing something else. And so I was like, oh, shoot. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So I really had to kind of think, okay, what do I want to do? And I don't know what took me so long, but I realized, oh, hospitality. I've worked in restaurants. I worked in events. That's what I was doing throughout high school and in summer and whatnot. So I then changed my major to hospitality management with a minor in business. So it kind of really, it was the two worlds colliding. I love nutrition. I studied hospitality, restaurants. I still loved events. So I think just the mesh of that, it kind of took me, it was the guidance counselor, really, that was like, uh, you know, maybe you should do something else. And I was like, yeah, that's probably a good idea. So it just made sense after I switched my major. And I've learned a lot. They have a really great hospitality school, too. So got a lot of experience there as well. Amazing. And so right out of college, and, and what year did you graduate again? 2016. 2016, right. Okay. And so you got a job, you started as a job in events, right? 
Yeah. So they, JMU really pushed hotels in the hospitality because they're like, there's so, hospitality is so broad. There's so much you can do with it. But in a hotel, you can really get your feet wet everywhere because they have everything, events, restaurants, they have banquets, they have literally everything. So they really pushed that. So I did that after college and worked specifically in events. Okay. And was there something that happened, I guess, like, like when did you go from maybe having a more career oriented mindset where you're an employee versus saying, I'm going to stop doing that and like go start my own business? Yeah. So I love events. I still do love events and catering is a big aspect with Toastique. It was something or it is something I'm still passionate about. But in my current role, we had amazing opportunities. We had an off-premise catering team. So we did really cool events in the hotel and outside of the hotel in DC. There was weeks I was working up to 80 hours a week. And I just didn't feel super appreciated. And, you know, I couldn't see myself as being like a general manager of a hotel. That's not something that I wanted to work my way up to. And so I kind of got burnt out. I got really burnt out. And that was the extra push that I needed to do something on my own because I, you know, at that point I was only less than, I only worked there for less than two years. But I was like, I can do so much. And, you know, I know the restaurant industry where if I need to go back to like a serving job, I I can do that to pay rent or whatever. Yeah. Okay. So I love the confidence that you're just like, yeah, I can quit my job and, and try to figure something out. I know a lot of people wouldn't necessarily feel that confident. And I have a lot of questions kind of about how you really like started Toastique. But I guess just as like a starting point for folks who are listening, h- how would you explain uh, just the concept of, of what Toastique is and you know how it is a little different from your average fast casual restaurant? Yes. So... Toastique is, we always say it's more than just a juice bar because we have everything that a juice bar has. The cold-pressed juice we make in-house, the acai bowls, the smoothies. Um, We make everything without sugars or sweeteners, so it's super healthy. um, And it's still perfect for the people that want something quick, on the go, come in, buy a couple juices at once for the week. Um, But we also have our gourmet toast. So that's our specialty, of course, with Toastique. And depending on the location, it makes up between 40 and 60% of our sales. Um, And it's a huge part of our menu. And that was the goal where... Um, instead of just grabbing a quick juice or smoothie, you can actually have a whole meal and a whole experience. And that's really what we try to do at Toastique. Yes, it's quick serve, but we're trying to redefine what quick serve is because most people think it's unhealthy, uh, not very warming, not very clean. And we're kind of doing the opposite where you're still getting everything from scratch The things we don't make, like our bread, we source locally, coffee is local, kombucha is local, produce is local, and you can have a whole meal. You can bring your whole family, you can brunch, you can have an office meeting, you can sit in there and work by yourself for a few hours. So it's it's much more than a juice bar, and it's much more than what people think as fast food or quick serve. Amazing. I love it. Um, and, And so when you started this then, like, I guess you did say that you um, 
you kind of like loved always having toast based meals. So when you started this, I mean, did you already have like a menu in your mind ready to go? Or did you have to kind of teach yourself and say, hey, if I'm going to turn this into a restaurant, I can't just like put my favorite, you know, few meals on it. I have to like expand it. Or, or did you did you know it from the get go? It's a little bit of both. My initial menu had 20 toast on it. <laughs> and obviously, that's not very sustainable having such a large menu. And it was all things that I loved making. I love the flavors. Um, also love avocado, but I realized people, not all people don't love avocado. So I didn't want to have avocado on all of the toast. Um, so I had initial lists of toast, the smoothies, bowls, juices. Um, but we brought on a chef from Philly right in the 11th hour. Uh, it's actually my friend's mom. And you know, she just took the initial menu and elevated everything to the next level and put the chef's kiss on it. So instead of regular fresh cut tomatoes, we are marinating them. Instead of mozzarella, we're using burrata, just things like that. So she took the whole, the original menu and just made it what it is today, really. Yeah, no, I could see that like, uh, so it sounds like you more maybe like created the core of the menu and then uh, this chef perhaps put some like finishing touches and uh, some enhancements to, to what you had already created. Exactly, exactly. And she added the depth of flavor and the height to it and the colors and the, the sweet and the salty and the crunch and everything on there to really just make it the perfect balance on each toast. That's awesome. And you said the 11th hour. So what were the steps and, you know, would be curious to hear if like, now that you have a lot, you know, multiple years of experience, if if you would have done anything differently with like the grand opening of your first store. But so, you know, like how did that whole process go? Like picking real estate, you know, getting money together to be able to maybe design the restaurant to the, like the way you wanted to look like just what was that like as a first time entrepreneur? Yeah. So the first time, I mean, with our location, whoever's familiar with DC, it's in Southwest. It's on the waterfront called the wharf at the time is brand new like hottest place. It opened in 2017 and our restaurant opened in 2018. So it's very new. And my partner and I were just walking around here, not thinking about Toastique. Toastique didn't even have a name at the time. It was just an idea. And we were just blown away. We're like, wow, this is such a cool area. It's right on the water. This is where the idea needs to go. And we fell in love with it. We emailed the broker right away his window there's window film up with his name on it and we were like hey is there any any spaces available he's like no not until phase two in 2022 which ironically that just opened last week um <laughs> and we we're like oh okay yeah that's that's a little far away yeah. he's like what is your concept anyway and we're like juice smoothies bowls but then toast so it's gonna be more of a cafe and he was like, oh, we do have one spot available. It's a thousand square feet. We're like, great. Can we come see it next week? And very nicely and professionally, he basically said, before I waste my time, like, show me something. And I had nothing at the time besides this idea. So that day, I sat down and wrote a 27-page business plan and up, made it everything that was. That's the first time that Toastique had anything on paper and it still didn't have the name to seek at the time but long story short less in the space he loved us he saw the passion behind it 
and they didn't have a juice bar. And ironically, they were looking for some sort of juice smoothie place. So that's how we land on the location. It just felt right. People are like, oh, what kind of market analysis did you do? And we're like, zero. <laughs> it, just like felt, it felt so right. The whole development was like, this is where Toasty needs to go. And so we just hit the ground running from there. I told my parents I was quitting and they're like, oh, such a stable job. But they're huge supporters. They're, you know, of course, every parent just gets cold feet when someone's like, oh, I want to quit and open my own store. But huge, huge supporters. And we signed the lease and just kept moving forward with it. Full steam ahead, quit my job. And it was supposed to be my partner and I, Kyle. And we did that for a couple months and then realized we needed more money. And that I really only had my restaurant experience, but was front of house. And of course, what I learned in school, but I didn't have a lot of true kitchen experience. And all the cooking I did was just what I like to make, like no professional culinary experience. So um, we brought on his best friend, Kevin. They've been friends since middle school. And we were like, okay. And he worked in fine dining, catering, vegan places. He worked at all different types of restaurants. So he had that back house kitchen experience. And he came from a family that loved cooking. Like all they did was cook and eat. So we were laying on him for money. We brought in my brother as a partner who's also has worked in bars and restaurants. He also has a hospitality degree. And like I was saying, going at the 11th hour, I think Kevin was like, oh, no, all this menu, like ideas and stuff is falling on me. And so his mom is our chef. So in the 11th hour, he was like, we need my mom. We're like, what? And he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We need my mom. She's going to just take this, what we already have, and just make it that much better. And she absolutely did. The menu that she created is really what we still have today. So, yeah, that's kind of how the whole team evolved. And actually, she was only supposed to help us for three months and move back to Philly for where she was working. And she has never left. (laughs) She still lives in D.C. after four years. She just loved it so much and being part of the team, working with her son. So it's been super fun. That's amazing. No, yeah, there's uh, I feel like that happens a lot more, honestly, than people expect where they go to one job and it's supposed to be a temporary thing. And then all of a sudden, you know, like a decade passes by and uh, they're still doing it because they love it so much. So that's really cool to hear. So did the bulk of, you know, like kind of that whole process with iterating on the menu, realizing you might need more money. Is that all pre-opening of the very first location in 2018? Or is that like throughout your first year, you guys are like just kind of making it better as you go? No, it was actually all before we opened. We just with construction, we had no credentials, no resume to prove for that we're going to be great business owners. So most landlords give the tenants improvement money um, and they didn't give us any because we had they didn't want to essentially waste money in case we failed. So everything was out of pocket. So we knew that we were going to need all the money we could yeah. get. So <laughs> my dad was like, whatever you do, like, don't get into credit card debt. 
Yeah. And I was like, well, I don't have a choice. So I opened three credit cards, went and maxed them all out. Um, but we opened in July of 2018 and we were profitable from day one. So once we opened, there was never a scary moment. We're like, oh, shoot, we need more money. That was all prior, luckily. Yeah, that's wild. Well, all right. I want to obviously go through like what the reception was like upon actually opening the doors after all kind of the crazy run up to it. But the whole maxing out the credit cards thing, like, were you just cool with that? Or like, did you just believe in it so much that you knew it was going to work? Or was that an incredibly stressful experience? You know, like, what were the emotions with going through all that? I think the biggest stress was signing a 10 year lease. <laughs> that was extremely scary. I guaranteeing the rent if, if we went out of business. That was the scariest part for sure. But after I signed it and quit my job, it was all in. There's no turning back. Wasn't scared of anything until I was like, oh, we need people. We need to like hire people and train people. But the initial scare, I'm not sure. I I truly believe in the concept and maybe we were just very naive in the beginning. But, you know, I had a team believing in me too and believing in it and we, the credit card thing didn't scare me, even though my dad warned me, I was like, this is gonna be successful. It had, you know, no interest for 15 months on all of them. Um, okay. so that also helped as well. But the scariest part was signing the lease The for whatever reason, the credit card, <laughs> that didn't scare me. <laughs> well, I hear it. Yeah, I guess when you frame it against a 10 year lease, that that is a little bit scarier. So yeah, I guess it's all relative. And you kind of had a 15 month timeline to maybe pay off any any debt on the credit card. I did so. before 15 months. So <laughs> that's a Sick. positive. Congrats. It's amazing. Yeah. Well, all right. So you go through all this, just this, you know, the run up to opening your first restaurant. And, uh, you know, I guess, how'd it go? You know, were there any major surprises in that first year that you were like, holy crap, this is like not what I thought I signed up for? Or was it kind of smooth sailing? Because like from a franchise perspective, you guys seem to have just, you know, done a phenomenal job. But but pre-franchising is kind of what I'm trying to key in on as, you know, just how it initially went. Yeah, honestly, the first year, 12 months, there there was no major problems, issues, just like, you know, we turned over our, our entire staff three full times, besides our first employee is still with us. <laughs> besides her, every other employee we turned over three times. So and we opened in July, summer, that's all people wanted was smoothies, juice bowls. So they're definitely stressful, for sure. But I wouldn't say there's any like major challenges. It's also just the best part for me was having repeat customers. And that's the biggest validation I feel like is people that come back and multiple times in one day, multiple times in a week. And just hearing people being like, oh, you need to bring one here or I want to open one. And that feedback is just very motivating and gives you the adrenaline day by day, even with the stresses or problems that happen. It's very rewarding to get that feedback. And is that feedback what you would say? Did that like give you guys the inspiration to franchise it? Or did you think from day one, we're not only going to open a restaurant, it's also going to be a franchised restaurant? No, no. <laughs> the first location <laughs> was, was me being burned out of my job and creating a job for myself that I knew I was going to like yeah. uh, to every day. 
that was like the vision is just like being happy at what I was doing. And yeah, with all the feedback with people wanting them places or wanting to open them, that's when we had to sit down with my team and be like, okay, what is going to be our growth strategy? It could be us just opening a bunch of corporate stores, but the attention to detail that goes in every single product that we make, I just didn't feel that managers, no matter how much you pay them, would care as much as someone that has their own time and money involved and has some skin in the game. So that's why we chose the franchising route. And strictly at this point in time in the Toastique life is looking for owner operators. We want people to want to be the face of the store, be part of the community, be in the store, lead the team, you know, because we know, I know firsthand being in the store, Toastique is not a business where you throw money into and think it's going to be successful. It's just not one of those businesses. Not many businesses are. (laughs) Uh, But being in a restaurant is, restaurants are hard to do. And especially the detail that we have in all of our food, it's almost impossible for it to be successful if there's not a strong leader there. Yeah, no, I completely agree that there's, I mean, amongst all businesses, but also within franchising, you see it a lot like passive franchises and it's like, is it really passive though? Like probably not, (laughs) Um, especially too. I think the thing that's often overlooked is like, even like maybe you could hire people from day one to run everything. But the reality is if it's your money, like the emotional, like the fact that it's your money on the line and it's your skin in the game. Like I met someone who tried to do this and they kept their W2. They paid good money from day one for GM to do the construction and build out, but they found themselves a few months in, they quit their job to just do it themselves because they just couldn't stop thinking about it. And like, you know, the the amount of trust you would need in someone to uh, be able to manage everything, uh, it's a difficult thing to do, so. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but it's funny, something you said that I think like there's a thought out there that franchising is actually risky in terms of quality control. Whereas the way you framed it, you're like, oh no, like I'd actually rather have like franchise my concept because then the people will be using their own money and they're actually going to care about it. And so like now, you know, a few years past when you initially decided to franchise, you know, have you seen that play out where that like you do believe that it's actually a way to enforce like higher standards is to just find just to franchise it so that the people who are running the restaurants are also the ones who own them. Yeah, that's a really great question. And I just feel like I don't like, yes, it's true. I don't know. I feel like I need to open more franchises to really grasp that because we have everything. We have all the tools to be successful. We have handbooks, operational manuals. We have an online learning system, but it's still difficult. I think it's very true. The stores that we have open, they're all present in there. They're touching tables, just making sure that, you know, everything's going out as standards. So, so far it's been good. So I would like to say that it's true, but I think no matter how you grow, whether it's franchising or corporate, consistency is going to be the hardest part. Yeah. holding people accountable, right? We have five corporate stores 
and they're all in the DC area and I live in DC. So it's way easier for me. I still go in the stores, work some shifts too, because to me, that's the best way to really grasp what's going on. But it's so much easier popping in all the stores at least once a week where, you know, our franchise is in Colorado and we've already done some secret shoppers and it's been good. But, you know, there could be days that aren't good too that we're not going to be there for. So I think just continuing to retrain where we need and keeping up with them. And we still, after they open, we still have weekly calls, just trying to have that open communication. If they have any questions, any problems, anything like that, to keep it consistent through the brand. Definitely. No, I like that, that uh, you've got like some secret shoppers coming in. You gotta do it. (laughs) (laughs) You do. Well, just even hearing that you have five corporate stores, you know, like, What's that been like going from one to five, especially with a pandemic, right? Not that it's necessarily fully over, but a pandemic in the middle of all that. Uh, you know, like I think a common question I get is, you know, if I open five of the concepts, what, and this could be for any franchise, whether it's in fitness or some other industry, uh, sometimes people think, initially that, oh, it's like, it's impossible. It's going to be five times as hard. But like, how have you kind of managed the efficiencies as you've scaled? Yeah, I think the hardest part is going from one to two. um, Because you're, you're used to being at one store all the time. And two, it's the first time you're experiencing like multiple locations, regardless how close they are, our second location is very close. But that's your first learning curve. But after that, I truly believe it gets way easier in so many ways, the efficiencies of if red doesn't come in on time, or if someone calls out, or if you need anything in a pinch, it's a drive away, you can put a person in an Uber from another store, there's so much that you can gain from that, instead of panicking, like our bread, we get delivered fresh every day. But if they're late or something, when you had one store, there's nowhere else you could get it. So you know, there's like no plan B, no backup. But when you have multiple stores, then you can pull a person, you can pull bread, you whatever you need. And also we, you know, with juicing specifically, it's a lot of labor, nothing hard, but it's cold press. So it's a two step process. So in two of our stores, we have a big juicer that will juice for other stores. So then you're saving the labor on the other stores that aren't juicing. And then you're just getting the juice delivered every day. And I think with staffing too, it gets way easier. Just the Like I was saying about the customers coming in multiple times a day, that's reassuring that, you know, you're doing a good job and they like your product. And it kind of goes the same way with employees. When they start recruiting their friends and families or acquaintances that they once worked with, they're looking for a job. You also know you're like, okay, like I'm doing something right here on the people aspect. Like they like where they work. The culture is cool. So It's very much a work hard, play hard atmosphere where it gets super busy with lines out the door, but everyone's appreciated. Everyone feels like they're appreciated. And I made that a priority from day one since my last job, I didn't feel that. So, you know, with the first store, we turned over the staff three times when you're just hiring off the streets, off the internet, wherever. And now you're having a recommendation of people that you know, your current employees are bringing in people. So even the hiring gets easier and the turnaround is less. Yeah, that's interesting. That And that's awesome. Uh, that's definitely like, got to feel like an amazing stamp of validation to have your own employees like trying to 
bring in more people of their own to fill in spots. I'd also guess, right, the bigger you get, even from like your corporate territory standpoint, right, like that it's more upward mobility, right, for employees as you have more restaurants. Absolutely. And that's something, too, that we plan on continuing opening one corporate store a year because we want longevity, whether that's being, you know, we have a manager right now who started as an hourly employee, no restaurant experience. But in her interview, when I asked if she had any restaurant experience, she was like, no, but I'm willing to learn. And I loved her right from day one. And now she's been with us for two years and she's assistant manager at one of our stores. So we want that longevity. And really, we don't want people to feel like they're capped out because if they're capped and then they're going to go somewhere else where there's more opportunities. So opening more corporate stores, you can get up to manager level, but then eventually we're going to need a regional manager. And then also with franchising, they can come on that side as well if that's something they want to do and help travel and train and be quality control and things like that. So, yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's like a win-win uh, just for everyone, I think, uh, as, uh, you know, the organization grows. So it's cool to see that even, you know, already a few years and you're kind of seeing the benefits of that. And, and speaking of franchising, so I think, you know, when we spoke before, you said that you guys started franchising in 2021. And I know, so you guys are partnered with Raintree, uh, a franchise sales organization. And uh, for anyone listening who doesn't know what that is, it's uh, there's effectively like a handful of these companies in, uh, at least in the United States, that they'll find promising emerging franchises and they partner with those franchises and they'll, they become effectively the franchise sales department. So companies like Raintree will walk prospective franchise buyers through the due diligence process on a brand with the goal of ultimately, you know, having them sign a franchise agreement for a company like Toastique that's, you know, one of their partnered brands. So I guess uh, that was a lot for anyone listening. So (laughs) sorry if that was your first time hearing that. But uh, Brianna, I'm curious, like, you know, did you just stepping in from, I guess, from within a few years, just being new to the restaurant industry as like an owner? And then now jumping into franchising, which is obviously like, that's a whole new world. Did you have to think long and hard on like, do we want to do this ourselves, or do we want to work with a company like Raintree? Yeah, I think the quick answer is that we knew we were going to have to work with someone. You know, that's that we had a franchise attorney and they were the ones that actually recommended Raintree. And just there's so much work that like, behind the scenes work that goes involved with it. And I already before even franchising, I was like too busy to to have to do that internally. And we've met with a couple people, obviously Raintree, and then two guys that were more local. And then we met with a guy that was like massive that wanted to open 100 in two years. And we're like, yeah, that's not a great fit. The local people, <laughs> they were super nice. The one guy actually went to JMU and I got like really sad when we when we said we weren't going to work with them. But when we met with Raintree, the biggest thing that we loved about it is that it was a mutual agreement. Like they interviewed us and, you know, we asked them about their business and everything like that. But it was a pretty intense interview with us. Currently, they only work with 10 brands. So they're very particular with their brands. They don't want to just sign on a bunch of people, sell a bunch of units that don't really mean anything to them. 
And we just really connected with them right away. Luckily, they liked us <laughs> and we liked them. And they're really just like the whole package deal. They got together all of our marking material. They flew out and did photography and videography and put all together the back end and filter through all the applicants. So it saves us so much time. And I mean, that's the biggest thing too. Like I hate to say it, but they do like all the dirty work and then the potential franchisees come in that have already had two calls with their team. They're making sure they're qualified financially. They think they're going to be a culture fit, everything else. So by the time someone gets to me, I'm already feeling like pretty good about it. So it's been amazing so far, and I would I would 100% recommend for newer franchises working with a company like that. Yeah, and you're definitely right about like it is the dirty work that that's that was uh, kind of where I learned about the franchise world is at a competitor to Raintree, and yeah, we would filter through a lot of leads before we introduce them to a founder. So yeah, it's definitely got to be nice to be able to just speak to the the pre-qualified ones. But I am curious, like, how has your role, like, how have you seen your role changes as the founder and, you know, probably primary owner of Toastique from now that you're franchising and you do have to do those due diligence calls and probably make, you know, decisions on franchisees? You know, you, do you go to your, I'm mean, yeah, I'm sure you're hosting Discovery Days in Washington, D.C., so yeah, like just how have you been able to figure out how to balance that franchising aspect while doing the corporate stores and presumably still trying to have some type of life outside of all this? Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't have many hobbies besides Toastique. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was actually just talking about that the other day. I was like, I feel like I should get a hobby that's not work. Um, <laughs> but no, I've always and my partners as well have been very, very hands on from the beginning. We're all very driven, hardworking people. So, you know, the first six months I was working open and closed every single day in the store because I'd love to be there. I do still love to be there. I just know that's not where my time is most valued. But I just I love to be in the store talking to customers, talking to the employees and worked open closed every day. I still work morning to night every day, but it is very different. And it's been kind of an adjustment because I do love being in the store so much. But you know, the majority of my day or at least afternoon until like 7pm every day is just on calls. And we do everything ourselves. We do have a support team, but discovery days, Kyle and I are on them all the time. I, I don't even see in the near future where we wouldn't be hosting them just because we do love it. We take them from our first store at the wharf a thousand square feet up into our newest store. And it's just a really fun day. So I do it. My brother is actually kind of being the in-person store, the people person, the employee store. So I could backfill myself and really focus more on franchising. And honestly, for now until 2023, myself and my brother Sean are going to be the ones traveling and training. It's super exciting. And we have the ability to do that still. I know that that's not going to be possible in probably 2024 and on. So we are hiring the support staff for that. But we do try to just be everywhere. We don't want to lose we don't want to of course, franchising is so new. So we don't want to lose any sight or grass with that. But you know, I also don't want to completely remove myself from the corporate side either, because 
those people are what made so seek what they are and they still have so much more growth opportunities. So it's definitely a balance, but I do have the people that mainly backfilled me out of corporate. Gotcha. Yeah. Wow. So working basically, you were working, you said for six months, uh, just in like open to close in the restaurant before even. Yeah. Yeah. We were open seven to seven. So I would be there for 12 to 14 hours every day. But I loved it. I didn't feel how exhausted I was until I like got home and sat on the couch. And I was like, wow, (laughs) I'm actually really tired. But then I would get up in the morning, I would have all this adrenaline. And like I said, I just I loved it. Like I love hearing feedback and talking to customers and just educating them on our superfoods and just explaining how gourmet toast is not the typical toast. We still have to do that every day, especially you know, people that are like my dad's age that are like toast, $14. And then they go <laughs> and it's just like this massive open face sandwich. And they're like, wow, like I get it now. I get it. And okay. I think that's like <laughs> the the best feeling. Yeah. Well, okay. That's a good. So, I mean, I've lived in New York City for most of my post-college career and like there is a thing in New York where it's like you see avocado toast them and you're like, don't, no one buy that. It's like $19. And it's like a tiny piece of toast with, with a little bit of avocado. So it sounds like your food is, your meals are far different than than that horrible Manhattan experience. Yeah, we make everything in house. <laughs> Our bread is local. So I love just kind of convincing people. It typically is like the older people that just want like eggs and bacon and then they try it and they're like, I get it. Like, I love this. That's <laughs> like, cool. Oof, yeah. good. <laughs> That's funny. Um, well, well, so just kind of wrapping up here. I mean, I think I read like you have 60 plus locations in development. Yes. So yeah, like just, you know, how, how does it feel? And is that when you said that you're going to be on the road visiting franchisees, like visiting all those new openings that are scheduled to happen? Yes. Yes. Okay. The goal, I mean, everything's always exciting and I wish I could be everywhere at once, but I, we go out a week before just to help with final last things, prep up the store and be there for the grand opening. And then Sean flies out for like five to seven days after. So they have full two weeks with us. It's just super, super exciting going into new areas and developments because all we've known was DC and the DC market loves it. So being out in Colorado and New Jersey, and we're going to have Florida and Utah by the end of the year as well. Another one in New Jersey. So it's just super exciting to go into these different markets and see the brand thrive. It's super exciting. Yeah, that's amazing. And what is, you know, if you had to say, do you have like an overarching vision for what you want Toastique to be? And I don't know, five, like whatever your timeline is, five, 10 years, you know, do you, are you thinking international or, you know, like just kind of everywhere in the U.S.? Yeah, what are your thoughts? International would be sweet. Um, <laughs> that that would probably be a little more like after five years. Maybe, we'll see. But definitely focusing on all over the country right now. I think that every state and city could use a Toastique and just finding those prime locations with the visibility. Cause that's the thing too. No one's looking for a Toastique yet. So we want to be in the best locations where people are walking by and they're not necessarily looking for us, but we love, you know, we're very confident in the way our stores look and we know how warm and welcoming they are. And we also know 
you know, people are really going to enjoy our food. So if we can be in their faces um, and really start that brand recognition across the country is the goal. Amazing. Yeah. Well, uh, you guys are off to a good start. That's for sure. Yeah. Look, Brianna, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, It was awesome to learn more about Toastique. Uh, You know, where could listeners follow along, whether it's you personally or your company and, and your franchise journey? Yes, the best way is to follow us on Instagram. It's just at Toastique. Our brand's very visual, so you get to see all of our product, our toast. We do Toast of the Month, too. You can see our new locations that are opening up and hopefully find one near you, too. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah, we'll plug that in the show notes, guys, so you can check out the Toastique Instagram. And uh, yeah, thanks again, Brianna, for coming on. I think, you know, maybe in a few years we can do this again. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Franchise Empires. We're coming to you soon with actionable insights to take the next step on your franchise journey. So make sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen. 